Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here today for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It is Wednesday, April 6th, 2022. Our catechesis today will continue in uh, St. John's Gospel, now Palm Sunday, and the preparation for the Passover. All right must have the coffee at hand, ready to go. <laughs> Good to see you checking in. Defresh and Karen, both on YouTube, Lori and Chris on uh, Facebook. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, let's say our memory verse together. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Romans 8, verse 18. And our psalm for today is Psalm 43. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your, to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. I think this is a uh, lovely psalm to help us confess uh, what it means to live uh, according to the flesh, and but within, by the Spirit, right? Not according to the flesh, according to the Spirit, um, but in the flesh there. We'll say it a little bit better. So, so it almost sounds bipolar or, or something uh, schizophrenic, maybe, in that uh, it began by saying, vindicate me, O God, right? Deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. But then it flips and says, why have you rejected me? Why do I go on mourning? Because of the oppression of my enemy. Right? We've been talking about this in terms of Psalms of Lament on our Wednesday evening um, office of Vespers. So you can join us this evening at 7 p.m. We've been talking about lamenting. And, and lamenting, in part, is to say, um, well, to say what's on our heart, um, to say what we're experiencing, to confess the reality as we see it or as we witness it, as we feel it, Right? But then always to return again to what God has said. Right, So then, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let me bring you, um, bring me to your holy hill, to your, to your dwelling. Right? And then again, why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? It's almost irrational, right? Because we have the promises of God. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Um, no, it's completely rational, um, but it is contrary to faith, you see. And so we're always... Um, we're always speaking, the Spirit is always speaking faith back against um, the lament of the flesh. Put it that way. Right. Good. 
Our first reading today is Psalm 118, verses 1 through 20. You'll see how this, of course, this is our, um, well, how this bears to witness on Palm Sunday. We'll give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say, his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say, his mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say, his mercy endures forever. I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can a man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. All nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surrounded me. Yes, they surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surrounded me like bees. They were quenched like a fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. You pushed me violently that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but live and declare the words, works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness, and I will go through them. And I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. All right? Um, these are, this is one of the Hallel Psalms. These were the traditional Psalms to be sung on Palm Sunday as the children and whatnot would enter this holy city, carrying the palm branches that they had brought from Lebanon, or closer to the coast anyway. All right? And they would sing these as they would go up to the holy hill of the Lord, up to the temple. Right? And now we see them uh, understood properly in light of Christ, as he goes up to Jerusalem to do valiantly, right? Um, and then note, this last verse, I think it's incredible. Open to me the gates of righteousness, and I will go through them, all right? So that's clearly what's happening in Jerusalem as Jesus enters on Palm Sunday. Um, this is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. Well, for now, um, this um, is a common verse to be confessed at the grave, right? So now the grave becomes the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. That is, those who are faithful shall enter um, into the presence of the Lord forever. All right. And then our reading for catechesis is from John chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him, and that they had done these things to him. Therefore the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. For this reason the people also met him, because they heard that he had done this sign. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Now, there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. But Jesus answered, or no, Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. 
Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. All right, so we've got much to talk about here. So what did the multitude in Jerusalem do when they heard that Jesus was coming? Yeah, they took the branches of the palm trees and they went out to meet him. Um, of course, why were the, the multitudes in Jerusalem? Find this out later, right? They came to worship at the feast, right? This is the feast of the Passover. And what were they singing? Straight up quote the psalm right there, Hosanna. <laughs> Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Right. So again, uh, as I mentioned yesterday, I mentioned again today, when there's a brief quote like this, um, the evangelist is indicating to you, I think, I believe anyway, to go and uh, refer to the whole psalm and hear how it um, is a lovely, what you want to say, um, confession. Right. So Psalm, what we just looked at, Psalm 118. Oh, we didn't actually read those verses 25 and 26. But if you go back and read the rest of it, you'll see um, how vivid, vividly it uh, portends the death of Jesus, right? I shall not, and resurrection, I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord, for example. All right, very good. Uh, what does Hosanna mean? Save now, save now. And again, Psalm 118. All right, so now you see how uh, Jesus, I would, I would argue then the evangelists on behalf of Jesus, they reconfigure the psalm so that it now takes on um, a unique meaning, right? Um, it, it always meant this, but it wasn't always understood this way, right? So now we understand Psalm 118 as not only a Passover psalm, but a Passover psalm that points to Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So I mean, I like this word. I heard it in a, um, in a conversation this week, and I think it works. Reconfigure reconfigure. It doesn't change what it means, um, but it reorients it towards where it needs to go, which is Jesus. Of course, Jesus is the resurrection and the life who opens the gates of righteousness and the righteous shall enter, the faithful shall enter through Jesus into the heavenly dwellings. We actually still pray Psalm 18. We do this every Sunday. Um, do you remember which part of the liturgy uses Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Sound familiar? Yeah, I'm waiting in the chat. You guys are about 30 seconds behind me. So um, it's the Sanctus, the Sanctus, right? Right before the words of institution. So the gates of righteousness in the context of the divine service, um, that's, well, I mean, it's even vividly portrayed by in our sanctuary with the altar rail, right? Which even has a little gate <laughs> in the front, right? But you get to enter through the gates up to receive Christ coming to you in the lowly elements of bread and wine to save you the eating and drinking. And of course, it's in that eating and drinking that you will not die and will declare the works of the Lord. All right. Uh, then we have Jesus riding in on a donkey, right? Why on a donkey? Well, of course, this is what uh, a king would ride. David wrote such a thing. Solomon wrote it when he came back from battle too, right? But it's specifically, John tells us the fulfillment of the prophecy in Zechariah 9 verse 9. Uh, again, a little bit of context would be probably valid here. Zechariah 9. Um, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. We hear this at Christmas time. Behold, or Advent, I should say. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of donkey. 
I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off. He shall speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Right? So the king of creation, the king of the universe, the king of the world is writing in, according to Zechariah. All right, so I mentioned Solomon wrote in um, to the donkey here. Jesus is the true son of David who must ride our stubborn flesh to bring us through the gates of heaven. Um, it's that famous stanza from uh, All Glory, Laud, and Honor. Actually, the stanza that's omitted from Lutheran service book. Um, Be thou our rider and we the ass. Uh, I can't remember the rest of the stanza. It's the second to last stanza, the penultimate stanza, but uh, not translated or not given to us in Lutheran service book. I've preached a sermon on this. Be thou the rider and we the ass. All right, let's see if I can find the full stanza here. Uh, oh, here's a post. Hymns to avoid. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Be thou, O Lord, the rider, and we the little ass, that to God's holy city together we may pass. All right. So there you go. Uh, who is the daughter of Zion? The church, right? Um, did his disciples understand these events, according to John? John does uh, many of these parenthetical notes, right, as editorial notes, if you like. No, they didn't understand at first, but they will be after his resurrection, right? And that's, of course, through the scriptures, right? Remember, as he reveals himself to the disciples on the road to Emmaus and in the breaking of the bread. And then uh, finally, of course, they will understand um, when he is ultimately glorified by the Spirit uh, on Pentecost, right? And the Spirit's poured out upon them, um, and they confess Jesus. What odd confession does uh, do the Pharisees make about Jesus here in verse 19? You see that you're accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone out after them, right? Remember, they were seeking to, to kill Lazarus. They've been trying to silence or to, to stone Jesus at various things right? Um, but then look, I think this note really makes sense in context if you look at the next verse, verse 20. So we'll put both together here. Yeah, Certain Greeks among those who had come to worship at the feast were among them, right? Jesus was, the Greeks were coming to Jesus because he came for the whole world, not just for the Jews. Isn't that interesting? So it's right there. The whole world has gone after him. They're also talking about the futility of trying to um, uh, keep Jesus from doing what he's given to do, even as they do uh, throughout the week try to silence him and then ultimately kill him. Even then, they are accomplishing the will of the Father. Uh, why were these Greeks at the feast, do you think? If they came to worship, what does that tell you? They had been converted, right, to Judaism and then later to Christianity, I would hope. Which apostle helped the Greeks? Yeah, Philip. How had Philip um, been called? Jesus had called Philip by saying, follow me, right? And then you remember back in John 1, I quoted this in the sermon on Sunday, then Philip called Nathaniel, right? Um, so we have kind of the inverse here, right? We have the Greeks asking Philip and Philip going to Jesus, right? Or to Andrew, then Andrew and Philip to Jesus. So they have that inversion. So the conversion of the people come by way um, through the instrumentality of the apostles, right? Uh, what other accounts in John's gospel involve Andrew and Philip, right? So we have Andrew and Philip being called, right? And then Andrew... Andrew finds his brother Simon and says, we have found the Messiah. That's back in John 1. They brought him to Jesus. Um, we have Philip again. We heard this on Sunday at the feeding of the 5,000 and two weeks ago, where Philip was the one who explained that they did not have enough uh, to buy enough money to buy bread. And it was Andrew who found 
the boy with the five barley loaves and the two small fish. All right. Um, and I, I probably gave Philip a little bit of uh, a hard time for that <laughs> in a sermon on Sunday, two weeks ago Sunday. Uh, in Philip 14, uh, Philip asked to be shown the way to the Father, right? So we see this like with Nicodemus. We see this with Philip, that um, how, how God, the Holy Spirit, working through Christ's ministry, brings along Philip into faithfulness, right? And now we have this lovely confession of faith. But Jesus answered, saying, it's not yet time, right? What was the hour when Jesus was glorified? In John's gospel, this is the hour of his death and then his resurrection, right? So when he says, my time has not yet come or my hour has not yet come, he's referring to it is not yet um, the time. Uh, when the fullness of time uh, comes, uh, St. Paul says, right? And that's that fullness of time is realized at the cross. Uh, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, I use this at the graveside as well. It remains alone, but if it dies, it produces much grain, right? Who is the kernel of wheat that falls to the ground and dies? First, Jesus, right? So what does he mean then here in verse 25? He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Right? Is this some kind of like suicide pact or something? <laughs> no, it's actually to find um, your meaning, your purpose, your understanding of life in the life that comes through Christ, right? Not in, in the ways of this world, but in, in the life of Christ. He is your true life. What other apostles came with Jesus that day? I would presume it's the 12. I mean, they're gathered. They're going to be gathered here for the Passover uh, tomorrow. We'll hear, start to hear that. So it's the, the 12. Um, but it's going to be the 70. It's going to be the whole multitude. Um, those who, And then they remain until Pentecost as well. Uh, it's certainly the women as well. They're part of the, the crowd of the disciples. All right. Where must we follow Jesus? Let him follow me, right? Well, it's right here. From Palm Sunday to Maundy Thursday to, through Good Friday to the tomb on, on, on Saturday and to the resurrection, right, on Sunday. So, in other words, we follow Jesus in the way of the cross, that is, through his, in his suffering and death, right? Uh, and then, of course, we're given to suffer in the way that he is, and yet it won't even be compared, as we said in our memory verse, with the glory of the life to come. Good. Uh, meditation then. We gather in worship as repentant sinners because we would see Jesus as the Greeks. In the feast of Christ's body and blood, we see him in the bread and wine of the altar. He is truly present, giving us to eat of his body and drink of his blood. He unites us to himself as his own people in the Holy Communion through the forgiveness of sins. There we join with people of many nations in confessing our common faith in Jesus Christ. The kernel of wheat has fallen to the ground and has raised up a rich harvest in the church. Here at the altar, God kills our sinful flesh and then honors us with the peace of the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. Good. All right, let's confess our catechism for this week of citizens. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Matthew 22, verse 21. It is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Romans 13, verses 5 through 7. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. 
This is good and pleases God our Savior. 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 3. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good. Titus 3, verse 1. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. 1 Peter 2, verses 13 through 14. We pray. Merciful Father, grant us faith to pray for the civil authorities and to trust that you will accomplish your good and gracious will through them. Teach us to live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness and to be ready to do whatever is good in service to others in our community and nation. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We pray. Almighty God, by your great goodness, mercifully look upon your people, that we may be governed and preserved evermore in body and soul. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray today for marriage and family, that husbands and wives, parents and children live in ordered harmony according to the Word of God. We pray for parents who must rear their children alone. Pray for our communities and neighborhoods. We also pray today with Marla, who celebrates her birthday with Lacey, who celebrates her baptism, with our households, especially Tim and Amber, Dan and Liz, uh, Dwayne and Pam, Tom and Sandy, and David. We pray in Thanksgiving for the baptism of Carson John. Pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Marcella, Bev, Kelsey, Amanda, Dan, Brad, Timothy, and Norm, Merlin, Jim, and Mike. Pray for our homebound Bev, Willis, Ed, Mickey, and Paul. Pray for our mission of the month, Mary's Room. We pray for those afflicted and suffering. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Today uh, is actually a commemoration as well. Today is the commemoration of Lucas Cronach and Albrecht Durer. Cronach and Durer, two uh, artists that were instrumental in the early Reformation. Lucas Cronach, 1472-1557, a close friend of Martin Luther, was a celebrated painter of portraits and altarpieces and a producer of woodcuts of religious subjects. Albrecht Durer, a native of Nuremberg, Germany, was one of the most learned Renaissance artists and an ardent admirer of Martin Luther. His paintings and woodcuts include examples of the splendor of creation and skilled portrayals of biblical narratives. Both Cronach and Durer are remembered and honored for the grandeur of their works of art, which depict the glory and majesty of the grace and mercy of the triune God. Um, Before we pray, how about I try to show you some? All right, this is a, a lovely book. I think I have to turn off that, go there. Um, uh, it's quite expensive, actually. It's the Bible and Pictures from the Workshop of Lucas Cronach, right? So you can see this brilliant um, confession of creation right on the cover. So we have the God, and he's creating Adam and Eve and whatnot, all right? Um, let's see, let's find another story. I bet you the triumphal entries in here. Let me see if I can find it. There's Zechariah. Oh, Revelation, no. St. Paul, uh, Susanna, eh, maybe not. New Testament. All right. Oh, here we go. This is the, what is that one? Well, these are the evangelists. All right, here's one. How about, we've been studying John. So here's the evangelist, John. All right, so you can see that. Isn't that brilliant? All right, so this is a lovely book um, from Germany. <laughs> so I had to import it. Uh, let's see. And of course, famous uh, images by, that was Cronach. If you want a Durer, there's Grunewald. Let's see if I can find a Durer here in my fancy book. Just hold on a minute. I don't know if I can find one quick. 
Um, I've got a fancy one at home. Oh, well. Oh, is this a door? Nope, that's a Rembrandt. <laughs> that's not going to work. That's Dutch. Oh, here we go. Uh, Albrecht Dürer is famous for woodcuts, right? So I'll show you. You've probably seen, I've used these in various contexts. All right, so there's a woodcut from Albrecht Dürer, um, Jesus praying in the garden. All right. Uh, I've seen, there's lots of copies of them, but I've seen them in person too. Um, uh, Dürer was uh, famously, is the one who did the woodcuts um, of the small catechism that went along with the text of the small catechism. Um, so to help illustrate the commandments, for example, for children or the creed or the prayer, etc. Right, and you can see those if you have this Concordia, the Lutheran Confessions, if you've got one of those, um, there's the artwork at the back, and that has Cronach and Dürer as well. Let's see if we can find the woodcuts in the back. Oh no, the woodcuts are actually in the catechism part. Hold on, let's go there. Yeah, there we go. So like, for example, if you've got this version, there's another woodcut from Albrecht Dürer right there. All right. God giving the Ten Commandments. So it's used in the... Excellent. Let's pray. O God, by your Holy Spirit, you give wisdom to some, knowledge to others, and to some the gifts of beauty. We praise you that through your servants, Lucas Cronach and Albrecht Dürer, and through their gift of artistic representation, they preach to us of your mighty acts uh, of redemption and of the great piety of the saints who have served you in humility and faith. May your church never be without such gifts through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would give me this day, or keep me this day from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, let's sing our hymn. Show the peril 
Should some lust or sharp temptation fascinate my sinful mind, draw me to your cross and passion, and no courage I shall find. Or should Satan press me hard, let me then be on my guard. Sin in Christ for me was wounded, that the tempter be confounded. Sins of five. For oh my God, my rock and tower, grant that in your death I trust, knowing death has lost its power. Since you crushed it in the dust, Savior, let your agony ever help and comfort me. When I die, be my protection, lighted life and resurrection. All right, so good to have you all here with us today for the Congregation of Prayer, Guide for Daily Meditation and Prayer on God's Word. Join us again this evening, actually, at 6 o'clock for uh, dinner and for 7 o'clock for uh, the Office of Vespers, um, opportunity after Vespers to uh, privately confess your sins and be absolved, forgiven in Jesus' name. Um, and we'll, of course, sing the hymn again tonight. We'll sing all five stanzas. Our um, psalm tonight, I believe, is Psalm... I don't have it in front of me. Psalm 83, 84. Hmm, I'm confused. Uh, it's in the 80s. And uh, we'll again be learning to lament one more time. There's many more Psalms of lament, but I had to limit it uh, to the five that we did. All right. You're welcome, Bronwyn and Chris. Uh, Don, good to see you checking in there as well. And Nancy and Gus and Eileen and Lori. All right. Welcome, everybody. I uh, hope to see you again soon. Uh, you can join us tomorrow morning for prayer. God be with you all. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.